chapter 4. We will be in 1 Samuel 25 next Wednesday, Lord willing, I promise. Um, I'm about halfway done with that message. It's an excellent text on Nabal and, and Abigail. It's a great, great text. And I uh, wanted to make sure it was thoroughly you know, prepared so we could do it right. Well, let's pray and let's look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, we do thank You and we praise You. We thank You that You're a sovereign God. You're in control of all things. You're so faithful. Lord, we pray as we go to Your Word that, Lord, You would be our teacher. Lord, may our focus be on You, nothing else. May man decrease, that Your Spirit would increase, that You would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. All right, to catch you up, we haven't been in the book of Acts in a long time. I looked it up. We were in the book of Acts in 2003. That's been a while, okay? So... Uh, just to catch you up, uh, to bring some context to this, the book of Acts picks up right where the four Gospels leave off. It's been called the Acts of the, po- of the Apostles. Another good name for it would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because this is where the church moves from being Jesus Christ walking upon the earth and being the leader of the church in the flesh to Him leaving and the Holy Spirit coming and, the, and it being a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church. Now, the Gospels were the words and works of Christ in His physical body, and the book of Acts is the supernatural works of His body today, the church. There's the story of the early believers responding to the last words of Jesus when He said to them, Go therefore into all the world and preach the Gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, as we get to chapter 4, chapter 1, the Holy Spirit, they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, real important to note that the Holy Spirit is the one who transformed people like Peter. Peter before the Holy Spirit, not so much. If you remember Peter, he was napping when he should have been praying. Amen? He was denying the Lord when he should have been standing up. He was very prideful. He was filled with himself. But what happened to Peter that turned him from a guy who denied the Lord and cursed and said he didn't even know the Lord when a a little girl said, you're one of his followers. And he cursed and rejected the fact that he even knew our Savior. And then you see him some 50 or so days later, standing up in front of all of the Sanhedrin, all of the Pharisees, and boldly proclaiming the gospel. What happened to Peter in those 50 days? The Holy Spirit came upon him. What happened to Saul of Tarsus, who was out killing Christians, and then he became the Apostle Paul, who became the most, one of the most godly men who ever lived, who turned the known world right side up for Jesus Christ. What happened to him? He ran into Jesus and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Their lives were transformed by the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that transforms their lives transforms our lives today. He is the one who can transform us and conform us into the image of our Savior. He can deliver us from sin and death through the, the blood of, our, of the Son. He's the one who draws us, the Holy Spirit. Or He can take a lukewarm walk and make it a fruitful one. So... As we come to this chapter, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they waited for the promise, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now understand something. I want to make this very clear to all of us. If we don't leave here with anything else, leave here with the understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an essence of being. It's not the wind. Amen? Although He can come in the wind. The Holy Spirit is a person. He can be grieved. You know, He can be offended. 
He can be denied, all those things. But notice, too, that the Holy Spirit is one of three places in every person in this room. He's with the world. They call him their conscience. How does an unbeliever know that there is sin? The only way that's possible, because there's nothing that we believe. We don't know anything good. There's no good in us, none whatsoever. So if we know any good or any right or wrong, it has to be God. Only way. So prior to salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us. And this is why even the most ungodly person, most of them will not go up and harm a child. They would know that's wrong. Where does that wrong and right come from? The Holy Spirit with them. When Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit in John 19, it says he breathed the Holy Spirit in them. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit goes from being with us to being in us. He goes from being with us to being in us. Now that happened only after the cross. He breathed the Holy Spirit in them. Now they had the Holy Spirit in them everywhere they went, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, leading them, comforting them, guiding them, directing them. Now what's interesting, after he breathed the Holy Spirit in them, no longer with them, now in them, he said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit shall come, what? Upon you. So he's with you or he's in you or he's upon you. Now, the upon, the api as it's called, is where the Holy Spirit is flowing out of you. You can call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon you. I don't care what you call it, just get it. Amen? Just get the Holy It's less of him and more of me. And he said, go and wait for that promise. And then he said, with that promise, you shall receive power. The word power there is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamic or dynamite. You're going to receive some dynamite, is what he's telling them. You know, isn't it amazing when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit that you know it? Is that true or not? Dude, that guy is filled. And you know it because there's such a clear dynamic power, again, that glorifies God, not the man. Doesn't glorify the man, doesn't bring people's eyes to the man, but it makes people want to know about God even more. So he's with the world, he's in all Christians, but he can be upon you. Then he says, go and wait, and the the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, how did they respond? They spoke with great boldness the wonderful works of God. And the end result was that 3,000 souls were added in a single day. All the believers in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke with other tongues, tongues that the people around them understood. They all heard the gospel in their own language. Peter got up, who had been afraid. Last time we saw him running and hiding and you know, weeping. And now this time we see him. What is he doing? He's speaking with great boldness. And 3,000 people get saved in one day. The church was 120. And now it was 3,120 in one day. And they did not do any marketing. They didn't have Bozo the Clown in the parking lot. The flying Walendas were not there to draw people in. They just taught the word of God with great boldness, filled with the Holy Spirit, and look what God did. Church was added to in a mighty and a powerful way. You get to chapter 3, and now he talks about walking in the Spirit. Okay, you're filled with it. Now what? All right, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Now what do I do? Well, when you get to chapter 3, you see walking in the Spirit. And we see, and I won't go into all of them, I don't have time, but we see that they became men of prayer. You know how you can tell someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit? They pray a lot. You know why? Because prayer is our way of communicating with God, not just speaking to Him, but allowing Him to speak to us. And you tend to spend time with someone you're in love with. Amen? You know, Kevin and my daughter are gone for two weeks. They have yet to call. I doubt they will. 
And the point is, they are in love with each other, and nobody's forcing them to spend time together. You know, we think you guys should go on a honeymoon. I don't want to go. I mean, they were... There was a point where it was like they ran to the, they ran to the limo. Boom, gone. See you. Well, okay, we'll see you in two weeks, right? Here's the point. When you're in love with somebody, you want to spend time with them. Prayer should not be a drudgery. If you love the Lord, you want to spend time in His presence, and we should. So they had been men who have sleep. They became men of prayer. What happened, Holy Spirit? They were men who were very judgmental before. Remember, they would even mock each other. I'm greater than you. No, I'm great. You know what they became? Men of humility. They were men of doubt and fear. They became men of faith. They were men of pride and self-promotion. And again, they became humble men. They became men of compassion, men of conviction instead of compromise, men of the word instead of religion and popular culture. And that brings us now to, the, to tonight's chapter. And in tonight's chapter, what we're going to see is we're going to see, the outline will be up there on the screen. Tonight we're going to be looking at the evidences of a spirit-filled life. And you know what's interesting? We saw a similar, we had a similar message out of 1 Samuel a few weeks ago about what does it mean to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we saw evidences of it in David's life, and now we're going to see evidences of it in the life of the first century church. So if you're a note taker, evidences of a spirit-filled life, number one, if you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you will be persecuted by unbelievers. Oh, I don't think I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, was our Savior persecuted? What's the answer? The Bible says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you for my name's sake. Guys, we're not signing up for the Boy Scouts. You know, God's called us. You know, Christianity is not a cruise ship to heaven. It's a battleship anchored at the gates of hell. Amen? And the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a battle we're entering into. But here's the good news, guys. We win. Amen? The battle belongs to the Lord. We win. Game over. So praise God. So know that when you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that not only will the believers recognize it and the world recognize it, but the enemy recognizes it. And since his resources are limited, who is he going after? Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. But along with persecution from the lost, we also will see that your life will produce fruit. You know, the Bible, Jesus said that, you know, some 30, 60, some 100 fold. The point is that if we are born again, our lives should produce fruit. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll produce even more fruit. Third, we'll have boldness to proclaim the gospel. Fourth, we'll reflect Jesus to the lost. And lastly, we'll persevere in the face of opposition. Let's begin in verse 1 of Acts chapter 4, looking at evidences of a spirit-filled life first of all persecution from unbelievers it says there now as they spoke to the people the priest the captain of the temple and the sadducees came upon them now understand this that they had just in chapter three healed a lame man a lame man who had been lame all of his life who'd been seated by the gates everybody had seen him he got healed he was walking and leaping and praising god and the pharisees instead of repenting wanted to minimize the damage of this guy being healed. And so they go out, and they're going to come upon Peter, the once cowardice Peter, and John, and they're going to come after them to, uh, to try to silence them. And this is exactly what the world typically does. The word there, priest, those are the Old Testament office of priests that began with Aaron and his sons, and we've been talking about on Sunday, there are priests no more. Amen? Who's our great high priest? 
Jesus Christ. We don't need it. Now, the Bible talks about a man being the priest of his household, which means the one who intercedes with God for his family. But we have a great high priest. We have one who is the mediator between man and God, and it's Jesus Christ alone. You don't need to confess your sin. Now, we confess our sin one to another, but we don't confess our sin to receive forgiveness. We confess it for accountability. Amen? Not so someone else can forgive us for our sins. I, can't forgi- I can forgive you if you sin against me. But ultimately, the forgiveness you need and I need comes from Him. Amen? So we don't go to a man in a box, and we don't go to anybody else. We go to the Lord, and we go through the Son. It says not only... And again, remember when Jesus died, what ended the priesthood? The veil was torn. Remember that? The Holy of Holies. Now we can enter in anywhere and anytime. So where it was a once a day event, a once a year event on the Day of Atonement, now it's every day. The captain of the temple, these are like the temple police force. So they knew when they came, they already had an idea what they wanted to do. So the priests are coming, the captain of the, of the temple police force along with them, and the Sadducees. You've heard me say this before. The Sadducees were sad, you see. They truly were. Because they did not believe in the resurrection, and they did not believe in anything supernatural. I don't understand why in the world you'd even want to be a religious person. Well, I don't get it. It's kind of like liberal Christians today. I those words really don't match, by the way. People who say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just don't believe in the Bible or the deity of Christ or the resurrection. But I'm a Christian. I'm like, why be a Christian? If the resurrection is not true, guys, game over. Amen? If Jesus is not God in the flesh, forget about it. There's no reason to be a Christian. And when you start to tear down the Bible, you are not a Christian. If you do not believe in the Word of God, you are denying the God of the Word. And so what has happened is these Sadducees were much like those liberal believers today. They just believed, you know, be a good person, you know, no need to under, you know, no need for a Savior. And again, much like the world today, that would just look at, you know, religion as being some kind of social thing to impact the way you live in the here and now with no meaning in eternity and no God at the end of it. So the, here we have the priest, they got the Sadducees. Again, this is the, the high priesthood, the 71 people in the Sanhedrin. They're coming down, they bring the temple guard with them, and they're going after Peter and John. Why? Because they healed the lame man. Doesn't this sound like something else, someone else? Jesus Christ. And you know, these are the exact same people that came after him. You know what? That's why it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you for my name's sake. For so they did the prophets who went before you. Guys, not just the prophets, but our Savior. You're being persecuted for your faith. You're in good company. Amen? Now, I always want to say this when I say that. Sometimes we're being persecuted for our faith. Other times we're being persecuted because we're jerks. Amen? You know, if you go get in someone's face, you're, man, you're going to fry in hell, man. That guy's persecuting me. No, you're just being a jerk. They shall know us by the love we have one for another. Amen? People need to see the love of Christ. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. That's why we must speak the truth in love. Amen? So the message is of utmost importance, but the way we deliver it is important as well. Verse 2. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You know what? They wanted people to find the truth one way. Come talk to me. We're the only ones that have the truth. You're too ignorant. Only we have the interpretation and understanding of Scripture. So you must come to us to find it. Whenever you hear that, run away. This is true of virtually every cult. Is that true or not? 
They all have a private interpretation. Well, I went out in the woods, and I was given these glasses, and I saw this thing. Okay? That's how the Mormon church started, right there. Oh, I went out, and I had this dream. I had this vision. I had this thing. I had this special. I was caught up in it. No, you weren't. Because the Word of God is complete. Amen? And we're not adding to it or taking away from it. And when people do that, it's denying the Word of God. It's denying when Jesus said it's finished when we start adding to the cross of Calvary for salvation. And what you'll find with every cult is it's works-based just like Judaism was after Christianity came upon the scene. After Jesus came and fulfilled Judaism, it was a works-based salvation. So too are all other religions out there today. It's what can you do to earn favor with God? Let me answer that question for you. Nothing. Can you be good enough? I'm working on it. Well, guys... The answer is the work's already been done. Amen? You can't work on it. You can't be good enough. You can't try hard enough. You can't be better. What you need to be is broken before the Savior and and let Him and His salvation, His work upon the cross, save you. So they didn't like the fact that they were drawing people away from them to the Lord. They wanted to be the ones that people looked to. And not only that, he preached the resurrection from the dead. Now, you've got to understand something. For the Sadducees, this was like the greatest attack you could have upon them because they denied the resurrection. They taught there was no such thing. You've got to remember, too, that these were the same people that had cried out, crucify him, right? Now, we all put him on the cross. You understand that, don't you? Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. But they were the ones that cried out, crucify him, crucify him, and now... If he's resurrected from the dead, that means they crucified the Messiah and they do not want to be guilty of that. So rather than repent, rather than say, whoa, we blew it, they say, silence anyone who would dare say something like that. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Do you know that it says in in Scripture that people got up out of the ground and went back into the city? People have been dead for a long time. How do you get over that one, I'm wondering? You've heard me say this before. If grandma shows up at your door 40 years after her funeral, what what are you doing here? Risen from the dead. I mean, that's kind of hard to overcome that one, right? That's a pretty awesome testimony, I'm thinking, right? You go to the funeral, and then they come to work on Monday. That, That, hey, whoa, what happened, right? And here's the point. They refused to believe it because they were so filled with pride. This is what keeps people from accepting Jesus Christ. They do not want to give up the throne of their lives. And the same was happening with these religious leaders. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be on the throne. You come to me. I'm the intermediary between you and God. You bring me gifts. You seek answers only from me. What do you mean they're going over there? Peter and John are over there preaching about Jesus. They're saying he's risen from the dead. Not only that, they healed a guy that was lame. You know the lame guy we walk by every day? He's walking around now. Oh, we got to put a stop to this. Now, you'd think there'd be repentance. Instead, there's attack. They had, a crucifi- they had crucified him. Remember, they'd even said, let his blood be upon us and our children. Do you remember that? And now here, the very real possibility that if he is risen, what in the world does that mean to them? Verse 3. And it says, and they laid hands on them. This is not to pray a blessing over them. They laid hands on them to arrest them, to bring harm to them. Arrested them for preaching the truth. 
When the enemy cannot refute the truth through lies, he will try to quiet those who speak it. Amen? You know, it's interesting as we're going through this building code stuff with the city. Here's the good news. God's in control and it doesn't make any difference. But at this point, they've told us pretty much the only place we can have a church is where there's a church already. They gave us the zoning map. They're like, anywhere pink. And you're like, is this a black and white copy? I don't see where and you look on this map and it's like and you know what we could have at the building we're at right now even if we we, they accept the offer we have to go to the to planning commission and we have to apply and at this point it doesn't look like they'll let us be there but god's greater than that and we're going to apply anyway but here's the point if we wanted to have a strip club that sold marijuana (laughs) and liquor we could have it there but not a church i'm looking at the list going wait a minute Here are the businesses we can have there. And what's excluded? The only thing excluded from the previous list for the little pink area that I haven't really been able to find much of yet is churches. It's the exact same list with one omission, churches. So we live in Santa Cruz, which means Holy Cross, but the people here don't act like they want it to be a Holy Cross in this town. But you know what? Our God's greater. And you know what? The battle belongs to the Lord, and we're going to get to see God work, so praise the Lord. And they can't stop God, amen? And they can't vote Him out of office, no matter who they've got in office. I'm not being political or anything, but our God's great, amen? And He's in control, and He's faithful, so we're not going to worry about it. So they laid hands on them to try to shut them up. That doesn't tend to work with a spirit-filled believer, amen? You know, I loved every time the Apostle Paul got arrested, he thought, new audience, sweet. We're going to lock you up to two guys. Two guys? That's awesome. You know what, man? You need G- uh, 12 hours. Can you imagine being chained to Paul for 12 hours? I'm just going to run down the whole testament to you. Let me, let me, I'm going to recite. You know, I just wrote this book called, and you know, uh, uh, I sent a letter out to the Ephesian church. So let me just share that with you. And just run it down on it. I love it. I bet there's a lot. And we know later, a lot of the prison guards were saved. Who do you think led them to the Lord? Paul did. When they drug him in and said they were going to try to kill him, and they brought him in front of this mob that was crying out for his death, what did he do? He said, crusade. Look at all these people. This is good stuff. It's just started bring- And so when you lay hands on a spirit-filled believer, you can't threaten him with heaven, right? So they grab a hold of these guys, and we're going to see just how they respond. And it says, they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And they're trying to scare them. And Jewish tradition was the law that he did not permit trials at night. They were held in custody overnight so they could not get away. So they could then bring them before the Sanhedrin, that 71-person high religious court, so they could make a decision about what to do with these guys that would dare preach Jesus. Guys, we're not getting far away from that in this country. More and more things are coming across my desk and on my emails all the time. There's a law up right now, or if you get the number of it, uh, if somebody knows. But it's basically saying that, uh, that homosexuality be protected to the point if you taught Romans 1 from your church, you could be arrested if you dare said it was sin. Any, and they're going to start protecting sinful. Guys, if that happens, put a file on the cake for me, okay? Because I'm going to just teach the Bible. We're going to just teach the Bible. You know, and I think in some cases, persecution might be what the church in the United States needs a little bit of. Because then maybe we'll wake up and have to make a stand for him. Amen? We won't be able to be on the cruise ship anymore and we'll have to do something for the kingdom of God. So number one, evidence. The number one thing that we see a mark of a spirit-filled believer is persecution from unbelievers. 
If you've never been persecuted, you've never really stood up for your faith. Truthfully, if no one's ever given you a hard time, if you've never had any problems, then you're too much like the world. I'm speaking that to myself too. Amen? So blessed are you. Number two, your life will produce fruit. Look at verse four. However, many of those who heard the word believe. There it is. See, when you preach the word of God, there are people that will come against you, but there will be those in the midst of the crowd who will believe. And it's worth being attacked by a thousand if one's going to believe. Amen? And so the point is, we should share with great boldness knowing that in the midst of all of this, the word of God is going to go out. The Holy Spirit's going to touch people's lives. Sometimes we're just planting a seed. Sometimes we're just watering one. But there's going to be times when there's going to be fruit. And that's why we keep on sharing our faith. In the midst of persecution, the bold and uncompromising truth of the gospel did not return void because the church had already grown from 120 to this point to 5,000 because a couple thousand more had gotten saved in chapter 3. Now, I want to say this, and then we'll move on. While healing drew the crowd, notice what brought salvation. It says, and many of those, however, many of those who heard what? The word believed. Not many of those who went to a really good potluck. You know, not many of those who saw a really sweet drama. Nothing wrong with drama in church, that's okay. But guys, the focal point needs to be Jesus Christ and the way that we get to know Him is that it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. So it's the Word of God that transforms our lives and you want to be saved, it's only the Word of God that will transform your life. And you know what? More pastors need to read that verse. Because we're trying to get away from the word. Oh, the word's boring. No, it's not. You're boring. You heard me say that on Sunday. Bible's not boring. Amen? The Bible rocks. The Bible's awesome. It's the most exciting book ever written because it's living and breathing and every other book is not. And so praise God for the Bible. We need to be excited about it. And so it's the word of God that transforms lives. It says, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So again, the number's gone from 120 to 5,000 in a short amount of time. No gimmicks, no games, word of God. Amen? Number, so the number two evidence of a spirit-filled life is producing fruit. Number three, boldness to proclaim the gospel. Look at verse five. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. If you recognize those names, you know where you recognize them from? The trials of Jesus. Caiaphas was there. Annas was there. This is the same group who tried Jesus and called for him to be crucified. Now remember, they were part of the Sanhedrin, that 71 member council. These guys were very wealthy very intellectual, very powerful men in Jerusalem, and Jesus would blow their gig. And that's why they wanted him crucified, and that's why now they want their followers to be silenced. He's going to infringe on our lifestyle. The same reason people don't want you to talk to them about Jesus. Have you ever noticed people don't wig out when people talk about Buddha? Is that true or not? People talk about Buddha, yeah, whatever. You talk about Jesus, dude, don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear that. There's something about it because the cross of Calvary is a stone of offense. So when people hear it, they're overwhelmed by it. 
And so the word of God is powerful. It's living and breathing, as we talked about. Living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between bone and marrow. It cuts to the quick of what's going on in the life of a person. And so this word of God, they want to silence it any way they can before it touches and transforms lives. We're on the throne. We're the rulers. We don't want anybody else to take our place. So too today, men want to rule their own lives. So they're standing in front of the same council. Verse 7. When they had set them in their midst, they said, By what power or by what name have you done this? Now they ask this question not to gain information. They already know the answer. They ask this question so they might have a way of indicting these people. You know, in the Old Testament it says, If miracles are done in any other name than Jehovah or Yahweh, that person was to be put to death. You've got to understand something. Jesus is Jehovah. Amen? He and the Father are one. John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so for them, they were trying to say, well, if he says Yeshua, if they say the name Yeshua, then, oh. So they're asking this question. These same ones who had, had Jesus crucified, who questioned Jesus the night before they had him crucified, now they're questioning Peter and John. Now remember, when they questioned Jesus, this is when Peter was on the outside warming his hands by the fire. Remember this? And as he was warming his hands by the fire, the young girl came up and said, you're one of them. And he denied, he cursed knowing him. And it says that he looked up and his eyes met the eyes of the Savior. And then the rooster crowed and he went, oh. And he ran away and wept wept bitterly. Now these same people, that were questioning Jesus or questioning him. How is he going to respond? Now filled with the Holy Spirit. This same Peter, some less than two months later, Peter by the fire in his own strength denied Christ, touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit, finds himself in the midst of the fire of tribulation. And when you're on fire, you'll be in the fire. Know that. When the fire of the Holy Spirit is upon you, remember when the Holy Spirit came upon him, it was tongues of what? Fire. And so when they had a fire upon them, and they're speaking with great boldness, persecution followed. Verse 8. Then Peter, note, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the key. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. Remember, they are brought him in. What have they done? They had healed a guy who was lame and he was walking around now. So if you're bringing us in because we touched the guy who was lame and he's walking around now, verse 10, let it be known to you and to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by this man, By him, this man stands here before you whole. Bring it, Peter. That's good stuff right there. Underline that. Amen? Peter, Peter, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And same people. Same courtyard, more than likely. Back to the same spot where he had rejected the Savior, denied the Savior. Now he speaks with great boldness. The difference is Holy Spirit upon him. Guys, isn't it awesome how God will often redeem our past? God will bring you back to a similar environment, bring you back to some of those old friends, and you're going to have an opportunity to share your testimony and to speak with great boldness to those who once saw you 
deny the Savior. Our God is a great and merciful God, isn't he? And here's Peter back in that same position. And the only the thing that's different about Peter is he is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, without him we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you might say, well, I can't, I, 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 I can't do it. Uh, no, you can't. And neither can I. Amen? But he can through us. If we will let him. Amen? If we'll just let him, he'll do great things. And notice that Peter had, and John had told the man to get up, but who do they give the glory to? Jesus Christ. And there's the sign of someone filled with the Holy Spirit. They never point people to themselves. They're always pointing people to the Lord. Amen? They don't have worldwide crusades with their name. I never see a, the Apostle Peter crusade. I never saw that. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not, where, they, where they do things to, bring, to magnify their name. I'm not talking about Billy Graham. He's a godly man and did great things for the Lord. But I'm talking about those who are trying to lift up their name, right? Trying to have people worship and follow after them. Now watch what Peter does. I love this. Because this is what we ought to do when we're questioned by men quote scripture and he says this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone he quotes from what they consider to be their bible it's our bible psalm 118 which is a text about the messiah and he says to them he is the chief cornerstone now if you take away the chief cornerstone from the foundation it crumbles and if we take Jesus away from the church, there's nothing left. Amen? It falls apart. You know, let me say this. I don't even like to necessarily use the name God. Even though, of course, I believe in God. Let me tell you why I don't. Because God can be Allah, right? It can be the God of your own understanding. That's why I like to talk about Jesus Christ. Amen? Or our Heavenly Father. Not just the word God. And so we see here that he comes to them with their own word and relates Jesus Christ to being the Messiah who fulfilled it. Verse 12. Now look at this. If you, don't have, if you underline anything in your Bible, underline verse 12. It says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Now, remember who he's talking to. How do you think they responded to this? Oh, really? That's interesting. I don't think that's what's happening. They're like, ah! Right? Can't you imagine the Pharisees? We crucified him. Now you're telling us that he's the only way we can be saved? And they respond with violence and anger. I can just see them. Ah, ripping their clothes. You got, you know. And isn't that what people do today when we do tell them that Jesus is the only way? Oh, man, that's narrow, man. What are you talking about? You know, come on, man. We all got our own path. No one else died on the cross. No one else rose from the dead. Nobody else is God. Jesus Christ alone. He's the only way, guys. Amen? And I'm glad there's just one way. It'd be really confusing if there was 53. Wouldn't it? Aren't you glad? We'd just be all messed up. We'd just be so... I'm so glad there's one way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. And praise the Lord. And they're speaking this with... this guy. Remember, two months earlier... Scared of a little girl. Now standing up, Jesus is the only way. What happened? Holy Spirit. You know what? Don't you want that same Holy Spirit power in your life? Don't you want the Holy Spirit to fall upon you? To give you that boldness and that supernatural love for those who are lost? Again, 
The politically correct world says there's a big tent. There's many paths. I told you this recently. They just had a, they just had a Hindu priest pray over Congress in our country. And there were congressmen crying out, Lord, forgive us during the prayer. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy upon us as a nation. They were being escorted out when that happened. That's the, in our country. But you know what, guys? That's why we need to stand for him. Our Savior is risen and living. And the gods of this world are dead. Jesus is alive. Our salvation is not based on our work but His. So evidence, number three, boldness to proclaim the gospel. Number four, reflecting Jesus to the lost. Now look at this. This is a great verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Guys, it wasn't because they were educated. The Pharisees were really proud of themselves. The Sadducees, well, I've got all the seminary training, and I really know, and I've got the robes on, and you're a fisherman. What could you know? But then when they spoke, they recognized, he's been with Jesus. Amen? Isn't that, Lord, I pray that each of us, when we speak, people would know we've been with Jesus. Amen? That we are walking with Him. We're spending time with Him. We're filled with His Spirit. We've been with Jesus. Untrained, not educated in rabbinical schools, just filled with the Holy Spirit. I shared this message at a church that had been looking for a pastor for a very long time. A denominational church that had gotten away from the Word of God. They had a long list of qualifications. All of them spoke about education. I was asked to fill their pulpit on a Sunday. This is four or five years ago. I went there and I shared this text and I looked at them and said, quit looking for an educated man and start looking for a man who's been with Jesus. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we need? You're looking for a spouse? Look for a man or a woman who's been with Jesus. You want someone to, you know, disciple you? You want someone to be your friend, to be yoked together with in a friendship? Look for someone who's been with Jesus. Not how educated we... And there's nothing wrong with education as long as we've been with Jesus. Amen? Education does not supersede our Savior. Peter... Didn't get caught up in all that legalism and self-promotion. He was an uneducated man, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. When the world looks, all they can see in a spirit-filled believer is they've been with Jesus. Number four, reflection of Jesus. Perseverance in the face of opposition. We'll go through this fairly quickly. It says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it, I guess not. You know one of the greatest things, the greatest testimonies to Jesus Christ being God? Your life. Amen? People seeing you going, dude, I knew you, and now, what happened to you? Jesus. Amen? It's the testimony of who we are in Christ that is the greatest, one of the greatest things to reveal the power of who He is to a lost and dying world. You know what? Even for a believer, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, even if you were a Christian before, people notice. And again, I don't want this to come out wrong, but I'll remember, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a preacher's kid. When I was in high school, they called me 
preacher boy and all this kind of stuff, but I never thought I'd be a pastor. I was going to be a businessman who happened to, you know, I, I love God, but, you know, not that passionate about it. He's, he's important to me. He's on the top of the list, but you know what? I have other interests in my life. And then, you know, one day God got a hold of my heart. I pulled off the side of the road after winning a sales award that I thought would make me feel really good. And I pulled off the side of the road and said, Lord, is that it? You got more for my life. And I cried out, and I know that that's the time when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and everything in my life changed. And when I came to visit my friends, we were going out to get a pizza, and one of the guys who'd known me since high school said, you know what, Dave, I don't know what happened to you. You were a Christian before, but now, dude, you're really a Christian. What happened to you? And you know what? At the time, I was 21. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to explain it. Now I can. You know what happened? Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy... Now, do I still say... Yes. Do we all say... Yes. Do we... We leak, guys. Amen? That's why I need to be filled afresh, right? And so we see here that they, you know, they marvel. This guy's been with Jesus, and they saw the guy standing. They couldn't say anything. And our testimonies are the things that will will bring people to their knees. When they look and see, wow, look what God's done in your life. Verse 15, but when they commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what are we going to do to these men? For indeed, there's a notable miracle done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further, let us severely threaten them. That from now on, they may not, not... speak not to to no man in this name so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of jesus how do you think they're going to respond to that they call him in and say well he did a miracle we can't refute it now to me this should have been repentance time right pharisees go hmm you know i did see dead grandma come back and now the lame guy's walking and this is the guy that ran away from the little girl and they speak. Maybe there's something. Maybe we need to find. Call those guys in here. Now tell us more about Jesus. That's what should have happened, right? But instead, we like being on the throne. We like being the Sanhedrin. We like wearing the black robes. We love that people bring us their offerings. Go shut them up. That's exactly what the enemy does today. And that's what he does even through those who do not want to give up the throne of their lives. But look how Peter and John, they're threatening them. Telling them, don't speak in his name. But Peter and John said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen more, to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Amen. You judge. Should we listen to you or God? Amen. That's what he said. You or God. How? Okay, you're saying something. God's saying something else. Who do we obey? Oh, we're going to go with God. Amen. These guys are spirit-filled that you can't threaten them with heaven, like I said before. They're not going to listen to the words of men. They're going to obey Almighty God. And so they say to them, we're not going to, we can't help but speak what we have seen and heard. Guys, you know why there are some people that are so contagious with their faith and are sharing their faith all their time? They spend so much time with the Lord that He is flowing out of them wherever they go. Amen? They're just spending so much time with God, they go out and, they, and someone says, what's up? Jesus, what have Jesus, it's all about Him, right? All the time. Is that what you think about? Yes. Amen? And what's happening here is this is We can't help but talk about the things we've seen and heard. We saw Jesus risen from the dead. We put our hand in His side. We've seen Him. We saw Him do all the miracles. We've seen the miracles that have been done since then. We saw the Holy Spirit has come upon us. 5,000 people have gotten saved. You can't shut up a Spirit-filled Christian. You can't shut them up. You can't threaten them with heaven. And you just can't do it. 
And so we see here this boldness. And Lord, give it to us. Give us all the same boldness. May we not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And again, you don't have to be, you can, just, you can have boldness quietly. You know that? Someone says something. No, it's about Jesus. That's who it's about. It's all about him. He's the passion of my life. He's the Lord of my life. I love him more than anything else. That's boldness too, isn't it? You can do it just like that. Now, look at verse 21 and 20. You're almost done. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because, the, because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They couldn't punish them because they knew the people would come after them. Verse 22. For the man was over 40 years old whom this miracle of healing had been performed. He'd been crippled his whole life, and now, after 40 years, number of testing, he's been healed. Nobody can doubt it. Commanding a spirit-filled believer to stop sharing his faith is like telling him to not breathe. You can't do it. Amen? And Peter and John's boldness and obedience cause others to glorify God. You notice that? It says, because of their boldness, others glorify God. Have you ever been around someone who's on fire for God and it increases your boldness too? You see, you hear someone sharing their faith and you're like, amen, that's true, right? And all of a sudden, yeah, you know what, that's right. And before you know it, you're, you're joining with them. You're praying for them. You're coming alongside them. And that's what's happening here. They're seeing what God's doing and it's causing other people to glorify God. I pray that we would glorify God when we see boldness in others, but I pray that we would have boldness that would cause others to glorify God. Amen? Verse 23, And being let go, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now look at this. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage and people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. For truly your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on your servants and look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They didn't say, Lord, get us out of the trial. They said, give us boldness in it. Amen? They didn't say, Lord, help, protect us. They said, Lord, Just like what happened to our Savior when they came against Him, it was anointed by you. It's okay. We know you brought it. So in the midst of it, Lord, help us to speak with great boldness. That's a prayer for every one of us in this room. Lord, may we not escape it. May we speak with great boldness in the midst of it. May we not escape all the trials, but may we stand firmly upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Notice they were not frightened. They were not discouraged, but they were excited. Why? Because God was doing a great work. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And notice how it ends up. Look what they do. I love this. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit, They go through a trial. They come before the Lord. Lord, give us boldness. We're surrounded on every side. Lord, help us to keep standing for you. They they come together. They pray. What does he do? He pours out his Holy Spirit upon them again. Man, I love that, don't you? Lord says, okay, another trial's coming. Let me empower you yet again. Let me pour out my Spirit upon you yet again. You've leaked a little bit. Let me refresh you completely. 
That's the God whom we serve. When they faced a trial, I love that these guys ran to their Christian friends. Don't you love that? Trial came, they went and found their Christian friends. Let's pray. Guys, when you're going through a trial, the enemy wants to isolate you and get you to run away from your Christian friends. God wants you to run to those who love the Lord, who can hold up your hands, put their arms around you, and encourage you in the most holy faith. God is in control. As even it says there in verse 28, He's in control even of the crucifixion. He was in control when the Gentiles came, when Herod came, when Pontius Pilate came. If you, if you go to Israel with us, you will see where he was standing in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. They came with torches at night. They come down a hill, up a valley, and up coming to get him. He would have looked down and seen torches coming for miles. Yet he did not run away. Why? Because it was appointed for him to die in your place. Who arrested whom? Jesus arrested them. You remember when they said, who's Christ? And he said, I am. What happened to all the, all the soldiers? <clears throat> they all fell on their back. Again, you would think that would, they would want to roll over onto their knees and repent right about there. Instead, they arrested him. The point I'm making is he was in charge of the crucifixion. That means that in the midst of your trials, God is still in control. And as he is in control in the midst of it, he wants to use it for his glory. And we need to have the same heart of Peter and John when they're being threatened, when things are going, seemingly going sideways around them to say, Lord, you're faithful, you're God, give us boldness. Help us, Lord, to stand for you. And you know what will happen? He'll pour out his spirit afresh upon you. The Bible tells us to, to receive the Holy Spirit, here's what we need to do, ask. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. Less of me, more of you. You know what? He will answer that prayer every single time amen doesn't mean you have to you know you have to speak in tongues you might you don't have to it doesn't mean but i'll tell you what will happen your love your love for people will increase your passion for god and the things of god will grow and your boldness to speak the truth will as well all of those things are true the fruit of the holy spirit is love and so you'll see a greater love so they sought fellowship in the midst of persecution. They took confidence in God's sovereign control. They put themselves with other believers. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with great boldness. I would have loved to have been at that prayer meeting. Amen? But you know, we can have that prayer meeting now. We can have it even now. Same Holy Spirit is in charge. So in closing, evidences of a spirit-filled life. Number one, persecution from unbelievers. Number two, a life that produces fruit. Number three, boldness to proclaim the gospel. Number four, a reflection, being a reflection of Jesus. And finally, perseverance in the midst of persecution or opposition. So here's the question. What is the Holy Spirit's relationship with you? Is He with you? If He's with you, He needs to be in you. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. If He's in you, you should ask for Him to be upon you. Lord, I don't want just to be saved. I want you to be Lord of every aspect of my life. I want you to fill me to overflowing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We praise and worship and honor your name. We thank you, Lord, for the promise in your word. If we would but ask to be filled with your Holy Spirit, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Right now, if you're here tonight and it's your desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, you've never prayed and asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, but you've never done that. And you want to do that tonight. You want to say, Lord, I want to give you all of me. I want to be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. If that's your desire, I want you to stand to your feet right now so I can pray for you. God bless you.
Dear Heavenly Father, you see everyone who is standing. And Lord, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. And we know you'll do it because you've promised it. Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon every person who is standing. Fill them to overflowing. Give them a greater passion for you than they've ever had before. A greater love for you and a love for the world around them, the people that are lost and don't know you. Lord, give them greater boldness. Give them a greater hunger for your word. Lord, stir up the gifts you've given them and use each of these people for your glory in a mighty and a powerful way. Now, if you're here tonight and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit in the past, but you feel like you've been leaking and you want to be refreshed, you want to be filled again, if that's your desire, why don't you stand up? Heavenly Father, you see everyone else who's standing and I stand with them. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing, Lord, less of us and more of you. Lord, we desperately want to walk in the center of your will. Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. Help us, Lord, to live lives that impact your kingdom, that impact this world for eternity. Father, stir up the gifts you've given us. Give us greater boldness, a greater passion for you. Help us, Lord, to see the world through your eyes, to love what you love, to hate what you hate. Lord, we come humbly and broken before you. We thank you for the promise that you have filled us afresh with your spirit, Lord. Help us to walk in in the fullness of your spirit, Lord, every single day. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Everybody, Everybody stand up who's not standing already. And let's close the worship song. Bridegroom will come, the glorious one. And oh, look on his face. We'll go to a much better place. Dance with all your might Lift up your hands and clap For joy for the time's drawing near When He will appear And oh, we'll stand by His side Strong, pure spotless bride, and we will dance on the streets that are golden. The glorious bride and the great son of man, from every tongue and tribe and nation, will join in the song of the. Praise 
for the bridegroom will come. Glorious one, and oh, we'll look on His face. We'll go to a much better For joy, for the time's drawing near When He will appear And oh, we'll stand by His side A strong, pure, spotless bride Sing to our Savior thank you that you've given us a down payment on heaven and the person of the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, you've sealed us, you've adopted us, we're your children. Lord, we can't wait till we leave these tents behind and all the impacts of sin and we can stand in your presence forevermore. But Lord, until then, may we be busy about your work. May we take this vapor of time that we have and live our lives 